Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today, I'm joined by Valerio, Hubert, and Ming Li to discuss the topic of product mentality. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. Hubert, would you like to kick us off? Yes. Hello, all. My name is Hubert, and I'm an engineering manager at Maersk. I am a former developer, tech lead, team lead, and many more as it was needed. And as well, I was fortunate enough uh, to work with educational platforms, payment service providers, payments, transportation, and last but not least, logistics uh, as a means. And I have worked with various companies and with various sizes. And currently, I am managing two teams. One, it is a product team in a true traditional way. And the other one, it is run like a project. Fantastic. It's, it's great to have you on today, Huber. Next over to Ming Li. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, guys. Um, um, appreciate having me over here. My name is Ming Li. I'm a um, product owner right now I'm, uh, with Maersk. I'm, uh, I'm partnering with Huber every, every single day, so it's, it's glad to have him also on the side in the podcast. Um, I think my um, I have been mainly working in the logistics industry in the past few years so i think my experiences are within uh within the logistics side um but however my roles has been changing um from time to times um along with uh, with the journey i've been with uh it project managers or working on the it governance in the in the in the between uh, until i landed over here as a uh, product a product manager with immersk yeah i think that's me excellent and it's glad to, to have you here as well Valerio, last but not least, over to you. Yes, uh, I have the. I'm a senior product manager at Luna, and I have experience. Uh, been working on uh, pro- with product management on uh, different uh, project and different products. Uh, I've been working at Clanum, uh, and uh, I have uh, experience uh, as a co-founder in uh, a couple of uh, startups, and uh, yes. I've been uh, always been very passionate about uh, building products and uh, and product management. I love it, and it rounds off such a great uh, panel that we have here today. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Knowledge Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Now that we've established context around each of you, we're going to move into the topic in focus. So each of you have a question around product mentality. And as usual, we'll work our way around the room, posing your questions and the context behind it. And each of you will have an opportunity to give your take on the situation. Valeria, I believe we're starting with your question. You're posing how product mentality differs from company to company. What is your experience? And maybe you have some practical examples on this. 
I don't know this is quite a self-explanatory question, Larry, but if you'd like to give some context to the guys before we hand it over. Yes, as uh, uh, product managers and uh, experience in different companies and different culture and different goals, uh, I have experienced, uh, uh, yes, different kind of approach to product management. And uh, I think is uh, is interesting to to hear also from uh, uh who by Mingley, what what is their experience and uh, how is uh, is uh, they found uh, uh, yes themselves in different product management uh, approaches. Thank you both. I, I think I can just generally start from my side. I think first of all, probably my experience is a little bit. I won't I won't say kind of expertised in the in the logistic world world to start with. So in the beginning, when I first get into the role, I was really excited and and also very curious about what is the product mentality works with Immersk. And that took me quite a long time for me to figure that out. And afterwards, you also want you always want to do the comparison with other companies within the within the industry or without or with with these uh, top product management company in the world like Amazon and Expedia like for example I think um, I think at least first of all allow me to start with Immersk I think when Immersk first of all pick up the product management as a starting point along the transformation this is one of the experiments that Immersk as an organization is trying over there trying to how we can uh, move in faster by implement the product mentality within the day-to-day work over here and moving it's a quite a, sh- uh, a rapid shift from the previous ways of working that how people has been working with Maersk. Before that, we talk about timelines. Uh, since we still, I'm probably we still talk about that quite a lot these days. But I think as as we moving along, I can see that people are start to changing from project management mindsets to the product man- product management mindsets over there. I think that one of the key uh, observation over here is before when I first you know get into the role. We talk about doing the things in a correct way, so we 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 are less doubts about why we are doing this. We are we're never asking why. We're more about asking how and what we're trying to achieve. Uh, and then overall, as we adapt and we learn on, then we trying to challenge each other, which is really the key of the product mentality is to to figure out why we're doing this. Um, I think that's kind of the starting point um, of how Mars has been starting on this road. Um, it's pretty like much like a, like a like a new revolution within within the organization. However, as this uh, move along, also individually myself uh, learning from the outside, I think there's uh, some key element from we learn from from all the podcasts from the product manager from the uh, from Google or all those tech giants there. I think they they do have a specific ecosystems to allow them to. Uh, adapt faster and and feel faster on that way. Uh, I think that's where I I feel you do have the point opportunity to compare Apple to Apple. Um, so I think one of the key differences within myself is I still I will stop questioning. I would instead of start questioning about to do the things correctly, always try, trying to challenge each other about why we're we doing that at the starting point. Uh, that's that's kind of a fresh start I have being start with. So that's kind of me. From my side, as inspiration, probably who will have more experiences than I do as working with other companies as well. Yeah, actually, it's pretty interesting that you have mentioned to do things in the correct way because you can read as many books as you want. You will not get the perfect answer as we have talked about many times between ourselves. But 
given that I have worked with product and product, it will never be the same. Actually, <clears throat> one of the big differences from my perspective, it is how to make it successful and how to not end up in a situation where you are just working in order to keep things alive or keep the lights on or not to lose business because you are not compliant and you need to do certain things. You need to follow the regulations and you are forced to do things. And even though it is part of your product, it cannot be just the majority of your time. And joining Merce from my perspective, it was really a renovation because I have managed to see how well a product can be run and what does it mean to have a proper feedback loop. And whenever we are having any conversations with the clients or with the frontline, how the interactions are working and how you can shape your product based on the data, what you are seeing and how you are building up your success metrics and how you are measuring yourself against the data and against the features, what you are trying to push out as soon as possible. It is just interesting and it is one of my passions. So for the last couple of years, I would say that I'm really passionate about programming and still even though I'm an engineering manager, I do programming every now and then, even though it is not required of me, but still it just pushes me to do the extra and to think about the product and work with the product managers to challenge ourselves and think about the financial consequences and have the proper argumentation why one should do a feature or why one should consider uh, a certain path. And having these conversations going back and forth, aligning with the business, aligning with the teams, and at the end of the day, pushing things out what the clients want, not what the business wants, I think it is more important than just doing whatever uh, one would like. Some great points there to your question, Valeria. Have you got anything to add, perhaps from your experiences? Well, <clears throat> yes. I mean, my experience has been uh, a bit like uh, that in each organization, in each company, they have uh, a bit different uh, different goals in general and a different uh, stage of the company, like uh, some companies more oriented to the profit, some others to get into prof profitability, some others to, to scale an organization or to uh, be more close to the requirement of a, of a customer. And in all this situation, the product mentality change a lot. Is uh, the role of the a product team is uh, as a different kind of reason of uh, to exist. And um, and still is uh, is uh, you can do product management somehow in uh, in uh, all this uh, situation. So for me, has been always a big uh, things uh, the adaptability of the situation and make sure that you're listening into the market needs, the problem space, and uh, connect listening into the, the different uh, a user request or customer request and dig in into like what is the somehow the problem that need to be solved uh, coming from those requests and um, so yes uh, it is very different for me the mentality product mentality based on 
which context uh, you are in. And it's uh, very interesting to to hear how Maersk, such a big logistic organization, is able to 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 embrace this uh, this approach. Is uh, it require it looks from outside requiring a lot of effort, even from a management perspective and uh, and across the whole organization. It's very interesting to hear that. Yeah, I just want to add on to that, actually. So I think it's quite special and original about the question itself. So thanks to Valerio. And give triggers lots of reflections for me in terms of um, those live, uh, real-life examples or product I've been engaged with. Um, I think although Maersk is a, is a huge company, I think those there are different type of business model that the company has been tried on their side. So each if we treat each business model as a as a unit, a business unit itself, you can see that there's a tons of startups has been um, somehow generated from Maersk under the big umbrella. So there are some of them I fortunately has been getting involved. So I think one of the key differences I noticing over there is if, if, as a, a probably a startup company or so, somehow business model over there. In the beginning, every single person within the team is quite problem centric focus. So we all focus upon solving the problem, prove ourselves that the product actually can solve the pain points for whatever our users are. So the, I think this is kind of the key things at the first proof point that for most of the startup they try to get. Um, and then it also kind of requires the product team to adapt um, uh, and do the iterative development quite frequently, making sure that they can react to the, um, to the feedback from customers over there. And the, but I think one of the big pro- biggest problems that I've been getting to uh, is the resource constraints. So normally at a starting point, you won't get much resources you have. You have very limited resource to prove yourself. Actually, you can speak louder than you than you um, you have shared ever planned it. So uh, that that's one of these kind of the things I can think about from uh, from from one of the experiences I have had with Imrask. Um, it's more like a startup business model, but actually, it's not not the normal way how Mer is going to deal with the um, their projects. Um, and then I would imagine um, if we get into the next phases. But however, the, pro- the the product that I getting engaged didn't didn't manage to get the next phases um, due to various reasons. But I think we discussed within the team over over the over the last dinner we had is like um, when we if we got in depth into the next stage, what are we going to do? We're going to probably going to deal with more kind of customer centricity things, making sure that we have proved ourselves can solve the problem. Maybe right now we are looking to if there are any other side effects that we have we have to solve, um, books on our customers' feedbacks, or should we have more alignment into the company's strategy? Because at the starting point, you wouldn't care about that, to be honest. And then later on is uh, you're going to have to deal with stakeholders because at that point, if you were trying to scale up your business model, you're gonna deal with um, cross-functional cross-functional teams in essence. Um, so we get that we get that far, um, and we didn't made it further than that. But I think those are the kind of the memories I got and triggers those reflection points in terms of different kind of part of mentality in different stages of the business model companies, um, which is quite interesting. By just recapping that from my mind, and uh, I think Huba, you also got something to share. Yeah, it is funny that you have mentioned at the beginning that we are going through a transformation and I have joined in the middle of it. So I had the pleasure to actually see the changes and advocate for the changes. And 
I have participated in multiple transformation projects. Some were successful, some were not so successful, but it is part of the journey. And if you think about it, it is not just about the product because the people behind it who are contributing. And you have mentioned mainly previously the product team. Here we are talking about designers, developers, scrum masters, managers, directors, and salespeople, and so on, front lines. And at the end of the day, the customers, they are part of the team. Without them, the product doesn't exist. They are who are using the product and we need to engage with them. So because we are going through this transformation, it is really important to be aligned and have the proper people doing the proper things and advocating for the proper attributes and for the proper behavior, because it is just wanting to deliver something. But how do you handle the feedback? How do you handle the customer interactions, how you are making this as a loop, that is that is the tricky part. And from my perspective, of course, I am focusing on the people. That is my passion too. So from that perspective, it is challenging. It is not easy. Changing mentality, changing processes, the whole thing needs to work. And of course, there needs to be agility. And there will be iterations, not just on what you are doing and how you are operating, but the overall model, because one size doesn't fit all. And overall, these iterations will make us engineers, designers, one masters, and we work together in one context. And if you take that context, perhaps it will not work somewhere else. So having these transformations, these bigger projects, to enable us to do whatever it is needed, it is the most fun for me personally. Excellent, guys. Well, you kicked us off to a great start to the podcast there with a fantastic question, Valerio. And um, I think it'd be a nice time to segue over to, to Uber's question. Uber's wanting to know, how is value defined in the product or the process? And I'm going to hand it over to him to kind of give some context for you all. Yes. So from my perspective, value is relatively simple. Whatever one delivers, that should be the value. But how can you put anything behind it? So one needs to define uh, a context because at the end of the day, value, it is not a feature. It is not a flag. It is not something that you can show on the UI. And I was challenged by many developers and actually by many people why are we doing this? How can we do it? On the other hand, also, I have encountered uh, almost no resistance in other uh, places where, okay, let's just do this. And at the end of the day, I've been working on a certain feature for two months. And at the end, when we have started to see the numbers, nobody was using it. So it, it tricks, uh, actually, it asks certain questions. Okay, what is the value? How it can be formed? What is the context? How it can be uh, <clears throat> described? And how it can be formed uh, into something simple, which is understandable for everybody. And I have participated in some exercises when we were trying to describe, for example, value-driven development and how one can uh have different scenarios and what type of questions one needs to ask in order to achieve certain outputs and outcomes 
And at the end of the day, everything ties together because if the answer to the value is that I don't know, then perhaps we shouldn't focus on it. So it is really, really hard to find the balance. And especially because most of the companies uh, scale-ups and transformation projects uh, are trying to figure out how to produce value. It needs to be defined how value can be defined and what value is for the certain context. And it is not that easy and it is not simple, but unfortunately that is the most important question uh, what everybody needs to answer. I love that. Mingli, it's over to you. Sure. Um, I think it's pretty unfair that I uh, probably I started and took probably some of the examples that I have discussed with the Hoover offline, but I've, I would love to share that. I think one of the, again, from a real-life real examples I have been experienced over there is I wish it has been taught me in terms of how I would define a value within a product um, is through a problem we're trying to solve for the customer under a specific scenario, right? So... Um, as a product mentality is the subject for us today. Um, I think when we, I think in terms of that is we are trying to solve the problems where a product. And then if we try to solve a problem, the, solve, the problem is, you know, only happens under a specific scenario. That's where we have to do certain iterational refinement to understand what exactly the problem the, the user's going to have over there. And because the problem exists over there, what are the what is actually they are doing? What what is the their behavior to deal with the problems? And those behavior are gonna gonna be um are gonna cost them spend more time or spend more money. I think that's most of two generic metrics we look into. Hence, the value we are generating over here is to save them time or save their money. I think that's kind of the ideal scenario where it's gonna be easier for us to quantify the value out of it, but. If you get into logistics, sometimes those those values are hard to track um, um, from that perspective. So that requires several iterations again of user researchers to making sure that um, that the uh, in terms of how the different perspective that does our customer has or the users have against this problem. That's going to get into us into different personas in terms of probably this problem will be really painful for one persona, but it's not for another one. Um, this is again, in terms of how we're going to define that. So I think it's through different iteration on the problem itself and to really kind of quantify the pain for a specific persona. And then I think um, if we can, I mean, the better we understand the problem and we can map that to a specific users, the better we can start to quantify uh, what what is the metrics that we could have to indicate how much we have thought of the problem for the specific users? That's what I ha normally how I start with. Um, but I think back to what we were just described back there in terms of the the context in the problem. Um, there's also shared different perspective mindsets within our um, product team. Some of the, us are older takers, like. We are less concerned about why. We're more concerned about what are going to giving uh, giving us on the table. This is going to take it. Some of them that are quite challenging, like to you know challenge back in terms of why we're doing this and what's the value we're generating for our customer and who is our customers. But I think in essence, the better we know the problems in terms of the persona, the scenario, um, and the the behavior the customer has over there, I think the better we can try to start quantify the value over there. So that, I think those are the several prerequisite I would ask myself I or I would ask the problem owner um, 
or through uh, through interviews or surveys to making sure that um, I have a good comprehension of of the problem before I and define the value. So I know that's kind of a long answer, but I would I would hopefully that's going to help. Yeah, I think Thank that's you. on my side. Awesome, Valeria. If you got anything to add? Well, um, yes, I, I think that uh, in general, uh, every product person can agree that uh, at the end, uh, the what uh, uh, value in product in general is defined by uh, the capacity of uh, solving a, a problem, and uh, for uh, for a user, and this user can be a stakeholder, can be a, a end user of your product, and so on. Um, I think that uh, it's very important to always understand the context in which uh, uh, the the user of uh, your product is uh, is operating within, and um, so get as more insights. Uh, as possible is gonna be um, what uh, uh, what helps you to, to to either perceive or solve uh, uh, the problems and uh, and then generate value. I think that uh, is very challenging uh, for a product manager in general or product uh, leader is to. Uh, handle the different stakeholder when uh, uh, trying to deliver value. And um, for me, my experience of working with uh, with uh, uh, banking technology and uh, fintech in general um, is uh, is uh, the the different perspective on the value that uh, we generate with a product can be very far away between. Uh, the different stakeholder. I make an example for a user uh, efficiency and uh, ease to use is a uh, is probably what deliver the most value from a business organization uh, area or like a commercial person is more uh, related to the profitability, the monthly uh, recurring revenues or brand reputation. While for development team is the possibility to build something that is easy to maintain and uh, and is uh, easy to scale. Uh, so sometimes uh, I find myself balancing between uh, these uh, the, the, this different perspective, and uh, each of them has a has a different con conception of value. And uh, but uh, it, like be, it, uh, not mentioned before, like the sales team as well sales teams are have a very strong approach on closing a deal so their goal at the end of the day is closing as many deals as possible and they're very good in doing that sometimes putting like uh, uh, engineers and uh, and product managers in uh, in a situation where when the deal is closed then you need to deliver somehow so <laughs> so it is a uh, can be sometimes scary, but uh, as I said, balancing this perspective from the very beginning of a new product or a iteration is helps a lot. And uh, as uh, my manager in Klan was saying, in case of any doubt, do the best things for the customer. 
that you never mistake. Uh, you can uh, just go for the best for for the customer, uh, and then uh, that will be solved. Whatever is happening. I think one of the things I I would like to add over here, thanks to Valerio's comments, I think I I think one of the one of the comments he, he made over here is quite complex, quite hard to um, align the different perspective and interpretation of the value with different stakeholders over here. I do that specific comments resonate with me quite a lot with the work that I'm currently doing at the moment, if I be honest. Um, I think that's that's pretty much, um, I think, one of the product managers' daily work is to align with the stakeholders and trying to get everybody on board about the value we're generating for the customers. However, it's easy to say, but in the real-life cases, it can be uh, several different iteration arguments, r- reputations over there. But I think as a product manager, I also kind of get into reflections about what will be the backbone. Because if you are a product manager, you are the one will be holding accountable for the the success of the products and your success of the product is based on the customers right if we wanted to be customer centric then this is our third the 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 final decisions will be ideally on you then you're going to have different perspective how can then how you're going to balance it out you're going to need some principles there i think for me my personal opinion so far i mean it really depends on the product strategy you have at the moment, where what is the value proposition of your product as a current stage, and what is your product vision goes in the next several x period of time, right? And then what will be the and what the journey bring you as is to the two B, and then you're gonna prioritize the different problems the customer have and try to solve that in the specific sequencing. Um, I think those are the kind of the, a clear map you have to have in your mind and then that's going to give you a significant baseline and confidence when you're confronting different kind of perspective from your stakeholders like Larry mentioned somebody care about profitability somebody somebody talking to marketing they're probably going to talk about reputations or market share whatsoever there and but those are different representation of the value of your products but how you can link that to your product strategy and how you're going to make the sense out of that, making sure everybody will be understand why you're asking or your value is not prioritized at the current stage. I think that's one of the key messages we have to making sure that it's going to be in place. And think, and then on top of that, I think the the product vision and the, the value proposition and the roadmaps will give you a lot of confidence when you're confronting those problems and and conflicts or challenges yeah so this is something that just triggers my reflection on that and head over to Flario. yes i <clears throat> yes I, i'm happy that the, you mentioned uh, uh, the the goals and the vision of the product because those the, the life of a of a product manager can be really rough sometimes and uh, and uh, and it can be really balance that I use the word balancing uh, in terms of uh, being able to communicate uh, the, um, uh, the, the the value that your product is or this the feature or an initiative is adding to the overall a uh, bigger vision to the overall goal and uh, there are of course there is the communication and there is the monitoring part on uh, on uh, 
somehow to 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 investigate if your product or your feature has been uh, delivering what we as a team expected to 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 deliver and that so defining what is the value that has added to the a bigger product or the bigger organization up to the top level top big vision right and uh, and sometimes in this sense it, that is easier in a smaller organization because you are very close to the bigger vision you are closer somehow to the main kpi so you can build up your kpis uh, through the organization in a and it's easy to to show the the relation and the connection to to, to what uh, you're measuring against. So bigger organization is a bit more complicated sometimes. So the, uh, it, it feels a bit disconnected, but uh, that is the role of the product manager, being able to define the connection of what we are doing as a team or as a, as a product manager organization to facilitate those big vision, bigger vision. And that required a extremely well done top-down communication and then uh, and then communication back uh, down to to upward and uh, and then within the team more uh, flat somehow. So uh, yes, there are many tools to do so, but it's uh, always pretty challenging when it comes to the daily work, right? Uber, did you have anything to add to, to that one? Yeah, I just had one thought. <laughs> the last time when I was searching for a job towards the end of the interviews, uh, just before getting an offer, I have asked the hiring manager, okay, but what can I expect from the role and what can I expect from a normal day? And the best advice which I've got, which relates to the value, is that at the end of the day, you will have to tell other people and other stakeholders why and what you are not going to do. And you will be you will have to be able to defend yourself. And it just resonates with me because constantly you need to figure out, okay, am I compliant? Do I need to do this now? Can I prioritize this differently? What am I going to gain if I am doing this or if I am pushing back and I am doing something different in the meantime. So this is, uh, <clears throat> from my perspective, the interesting bit where I can contribute and I do see my personal role adding value to the uh, product itself and to the definition of value. It's a great piece of advice. We'll have to clip that up. <laughs> well, guys, I think... Uh, Uber, another great question there, um, and I think it kind of leads us on to no pressure on Ming Lee with his question to to see how it goes. But I know for a fact that he wants to to talk around how do you prioritize features or initiatives within a product roadmap? How do you balance the user feedback, the market trends, the internal stakeholders' interest within this process? And before we hand it around, Ming Lee, it's over to you for some context, mate. Yeah, I think that's. Great sequencing of that. Thanks to Sam, your review design here. <laughs> I think first of all, as we discussed the previous topic, this is exactly a classic kind of daily job that every product manager is doing right now. Uh, I mean, I mean, I'm, 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 I can resonate to this. I'm, I'm, an, I'm in the argument of prioritization discussion with each stakeholders we have in within Maersk as an organization. 
I think one of the things we are trying to make over here is um, not everybody, everybody holds a different opinion like Valerio mentioned over there in terms of uh, how do they interpret value for themselves um, and how do we making sure that uh, we do the balancing out. Sometimes, um, I mean, most of the cases, you are solving the problems for the customer. So the, the, the feedbacks is enormously important for you to include for the product decisions. However, from another perspective, you also need to look into the market trends, how the competition goes, what your peers is doing, and uh, what is the customer wants, and what is the uh, cutting-edge technology is bringing the market to. Um, and, and last but not least, um, what are your stakeholders who is actually probably st- take the take, take the power to make decisions who, which are going to impact your product vision? How, what do they say about what you should prioritize. Uh, I think those are the thing, things, balancing things we have to um, take into consideration constantly and, and managing the stakeholders there. Um, I think I have been trying to get involved into this several times and over the over over the past few weeks, so uh, more more in, in years. So I really like to king on understand like what you guys has been um, working on this one. So, Valeria, we're starting with you on this one, my friend. Yes. Um... <clears throat> Well, that is, uh, it is, uh, again, is uh, very much a context. Uh, uh, um, it's about the context your team or your teams are, are working. And, uh, and um, I think that in general, like uh, the prioritization of feature or initiatives or bigger projects, um depends where you are of course that they have to guarantee uh, that the business is running uh, and then the user needs are met uh, because that is guarantee the the business is running in banking and in uh, in uh, in fintech there is a a part that is the compliance uh, part that is uh, it, sometimes it feels a bit far from uh, from uh, from a product manager job because it's a uh, make sure that, that those those kind of uh, requirements are met with your product within the, within the technology within the way you communicate the product with, interact with the user i think uh, uh, in general still uh, the user feedback the the the, the customer research and the uh, market trends and uh, internal stakeholder uh, listening and and in, involving into the product management process or into the product development are all the part that uh, that are um, are making a kind of the uh, prioritization happening. So uh, then there are of course there are the 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 the, the tools like uh, there are practical tools you can use to to do so so to apply there are a, in, a, a, an endless uh, a numbers of frameworks that you can use uh, for prioritizing uh, each of them has different names they do at the end the same things most of the time evaluating the value of doing something against something else and then uh, you decide which one need to be go first and and after. I think uh, again from uh, how I see uh, product managing generally, I always try to to make sure that the priority goes on 
those features that helps the user to, to solve their problems and to transform the product in a self-explaining uh, product, a self-growing uh, product. So making sure that, uh, that, that simplifying the process as much as possible. So I try to add this consideration in every time I need to, to, to prioritize. And then, of course, the roadmap, product roadmap need to meet a lot of uh, requirements uh, from um, from different stakeholders. I mean, rarely I've been able to build up a roadmap that was just for one team. As uh, due to the nature of the company I- I've been working, I'm working, uh, there are cross-functional roadmap, uh, a lot of dependencies. So it's never just uh, about prioritizing one or two features. It's about making sure that the prioritization is good. His approach is through multiple teams somehow and uh, through the company itself. That is um, what makes it very difficult for me. The prioritization is, uh, is the change of this priority uh, that can be very quickly when it comes to product. Yeah, if I can add to that, I think I think as Valera mentioned, there's a tons of kind of tools that you can co- probably apply. I try some, so I just want to share something over here. I think at the starting point when I first joined the role as a part as a, as a junior product manager, I think I I easily get into the trap that whenever I got, I, I think there's a lot of feedbacks you can get as long as you ask the correct questions. So if you got the you got the answer feedbacks from different stakeholders, they may give you different kind of requirements. So I think for one of the cases that sometimes if I got requirements from a um, from from different functions within the organization, it's hard for you to make a call in terms of which is more important than another. And then if you are overwhelmed by all those kind of different requirements that if you don't, if you lack experiences, you're always going to, when you have doing the stakeholder management, you easily to give the measures based on your gut feeling about, I feel your, this requirement is not that important. You easily to give those kind of judgment as a starting point, or at least this is what I did. And then as a mistake, when I, when I first start this role, but I think after that, you, you will always got a challenge because you are challenging the people where they are good at. Um, so they will get pushback for that when you're trying to deprioritize their 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 request over another ones you already have in the backlog. So I think in the overall, I or learning some some framework or tools over there. Like um, one of them, they are value versus effort. So easily, like you can you're gonna you're gonna trying to ask them to quantify the actual impact. Their impact can be different de- depends on what the problem they are trying to solve. Whether it's a it's a it's a it's a cost saving. Uh, initiative impact or is kind of a, a GP generation impact. And then effort is how much investment or effort you have to put into to develop this feature to solve these problems. And one of the most important things as which is actually going to be make a huge difference is the confidence um, is uh, basically to rate your confidence of in the in, uh, estimated impact you, you feel uh, this feature or this requirement going to make. I think more as the the confidence is going to be f- come from the previous experience if you, uh, experiment if you have down for these requirements or not. Have you got any proof 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 points to prove me that 
by solving your the problems or by delivering your requirements as a feature, um, that we will get this much of uh, impact that you have in estimate. I think that's normally you're going to trigger a lot of good discussion and people are going to give you more from their uh, experiences. Why do they feel this is, should be prioritized over another? And that's where you're going to creating the communication in a correct manner and let them to speak up, to give you to 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 let you learn what they are good at. And then once you change the perspectives, that's going to be easy one for you to you know resonate and prioritize against accordingly. At least this is one of the things I have been used, and this is quite useful since then. So yeah, Valerio. Yes, and and then there is uh, there is uh, the the classic situation, especially um, as strategic as get your your work is a uh, is a uh, we. You can be a very good product manager and uh, use these tools, use um, a discovery, uh, follow your KPIs and prove, uh, in, uh, show the impact, calculate the proper risk, uh, uh, managing, uh, you know, the, the, the process, the, the, like uh, sprints, uh, um, like uh, the product review, the retros, and all these kind of uh, things. And then there is the, the classic situation where uh, you need to mitigate the, the decision coming from above in the, the curveball uh, the day before launching a product where a major stakeholder comes to you and say, listen, but what is that you're doing? That is a... Uh, uh, that all your work on prioritizing communicating can be uh, can often felt like okay really <laughs> we, we've been working six months or three months or one month on this communicating and then you have this curveball all the time so it's very there is a level of uh, of theory where is a uh, it's amazing when you can, you have those moments, like Eureka moments where you can actually go through discovery, setting the KPIs, setting your analysis, analytics, and so on, and then you launch, and then you see those are rather rare. When it comes to feature prioritizing, it's very often you get, um, yes, a situation coming unseen behind the corner or curveball that, Yes, that uh, make you okay, guys. Go back to your team, guys. This is the new direction, and uh, and yes, you need to be very good in uh, communicating that and um, keep up the spirit of the uh, of the team because that is at the end what. Uh, and then I come back to what has been mentioned by Google before about uh, um, the question why we are doing this from. Uh, engineers that have maybe 10, 15 years of experience and knowing exactly what's going to happen. And then you have to, and yes, this is uh, what we need to do. And so it's a mix of uh, mastering the tools, know exactly how you do that. And then this uh, managing the unpredictable and be, and be smiling and doing with a smile on your face somehow. <laughs> That's the hardest part. <laughs> Right, head over to Google. Yes, as it turns out, I got sneaky with my previous question because once you have managed to figure out the value, 
in theory, it should be relatively straightforward to figure out how to prioritize features. On the other hand, how you are defining value and what properties you are taking. If, if you are focusing on data driven, it, it needs to be measurable if it is used or time to market or what problems you are solving and what is the minimal viable product or a scenario in, uh, in a way. If you can build up your confidence and your processes, then it is easy to figure out where things belong and make a proper product roadmap and make decisions based on it, based on it. On the other hand, for example, if you are taking NASA, then it is relatively easy to think about, okay, but for them, it is easy to decide anything because everything it is given. On the other hand, if things go wrong, it costs a lot of money and they're having rigorous processes how they are dealing with the software, how they are approaching, what standards they are having, how many lines of code a function can have, for example, and how pointers are being handled and how code reviews are done. And if it is the code, it needs to be compilable at the end of the day, once, once you are finished and so on. So these are putting place in order to support the product. Because at the end of the day, what matters is to land somewhere or to achieve really specific goals. But I am 100% sure that they are figuring out what they need to do to ensure that all the edge cases are being covered. Of course, 99% of the companies are not in that scenario and they are a lot more flexible and they are looking for agility. And in these scenarios, one needs to figure out what else needs to be done. Because if you are planning for the next two years and you are rigid, of course, you will end up with a project and not with a product. So of course, having long-term plan, it makes sense, but it needs to be flexible. Plus it needs to have a motivation and a value associated. Here I do have a couple of examples, for example, cost reduction. Yes, it can last for two years, but if you can save a couple of million dollars in those or after those two years by redoing parts of the application or software or product, yes, it makes a lot of sense. On the other hand, if you are working two years on a feature, which it is not proven, you haven't tested with customers, then I would strongly argue that perhaps it is not the right time or, the not, or it is not the right format to go with it. Another example, it could be, on the other hand, <clears throat> for example, uh, trains. Also safety, it is really important. I have learned a new metric, how many deaths you can have per 100 kilometer. It is close to zero. It is not zero per se, but again, there are plenty of safety measures putting place in order to not to have these problems. So it really depends what you would like to achieve, how you are uh, defining the value. Because for example, working <clears throat> in the transportation uh, industry and having these standards, of course, you cannot have any errors. You are making sure that you don't have problems. The same goes uh, for the fintech industry too. Of course, you can lose money, but the impact it might be a little bit different. You can recover. If you are dead, you cannot recover from that. Of course, it is much more painful to lose 
all your money. It has different implications, but it is not as severe as the other options. Excellent, guys. I know we've come to the end of the, the podcast here, but just want to give you all an opportunity perhaps to highlight anything that we've um, even learned today or wanted to expand on before, I suppose, we, we go to conclusion. I can start, as always. Please do. Um, I think it's um, by just hearing the different perception um, from other industry. Uh, I mean, from from Valerio and from Google, I think myself and Google, we always, we talk every day, but it's hardly that we talk about the previous experiences. We are bury ourselves into the current problems we have at the moment. So mm-hmm. I think I would really say for, for the for the podcast right now, actually, we do have the, the time to winding down and trying to generally talking about uh, what do we have dealt with previously. Um, that's quite valuable. And also by um, also have Valerio over here um, to hear um, his perspective from uh, from from the startups. And, and he definitely have a much more uh, mixed experiences within product and own project management, which I really appreciate. So yeah, I think different perspectives always speak the louder. And then this is really giving me opportunity to reflect on um, like how I can try to apply this learnings into the futuristic um, alignment course with the stakeholders, right? So um, resonates and emphasizes that this is, this is kind of the, as always the key point for every single product manager to have. So yeah, that's me. Thank you as always. Um, Larry, you next, mate. Yes, uh, for me, is uh, is great being able to 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 share. I mean, an experience and to hear also uh, other people' experience coming from uh, different uh, areas. Very complicated, characterized by complication, by uh, a lot of moving pieces. So for me, it's like uh, it is a very interesting. Uh, uh, it's been very interesting to to be able to share uh, these uh, different experiences, and um, and yes, it's I I it's give me the 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 idea that is uh, is there's no way one way to do somehow product management or <laughs> to run products. It's a very much uh, uh, depending on the. On the situation you're in, and the situation in this case either is a company or a team or an area of business, and so on. So at the end, uh, is uh, is uh, as uh, as in life, as in nature, is uh, adaptability, uh, and uh, keep uh, very clear what are the the vision uh, of uh, uh, of the area you are in is very much uh, uh, helping in succeeding when it comes to building products and uh, deal with a lot of stakeholders. So, yes, uh, that is my, my part. Love it. <laughs> and Uber, over to you. Yes. So from my side, actually, I was thinking quite a lot what I would like to conclude and how I would like to represent the last hour. But the key conclusion for me is to see how others are doing things. And me being a former developer, uh, being on both sides and seeing the reasoning why certain decisions have been made and how other products and how other managers and how other people are dealing with the day-to-day situations, how prioritization works and whenever everybody nowadays is looking for agility and agile methodologies and scrum and so on. But at the end of the day, the value of what is provided 
to the product or project, it is equally important. And unfortunately, not many companies or managers and developers are putting <clears throat> effort into delivering value. They just want to get the salary and they want to deliver something, not really thinking about uh, what will happen afterwards and how does this affect anything. So looking back to the last hour, it was interesting to see how uh, how other uh, stakeholders and how other managers are handling these situations, trying to bridge the gap and also trying to get inspiration from my side, how I can inspire my teams to be more focused on the value and on the roadmap and how to deliver something which makes sense for our customers, but also for ourselves, not lowering our standards, because at the end of the day, we are responsible for what we are producing. I think it's a great way to close the the podcast. I really appreciate all the conclusions and, and the lands, and hopefully the people listening will agree with us and, and takes a lot from today's podcast. But for now, we'll leave it there. This has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I really want to take the time to thank both Valerio, Uber, and Mingli for both providing fantastic questions, but also their insights into the topic uh, and to product management as a whole. And of course, thank you for listening. If you would like to get involved with one of the upcoming podcasts, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn or via email at sam.williamson at evolution-nordics.com. Alternatively, you can reach out to these guys if you've got any follow-up questions. Uh, I'm sure they'd love to, to hear from you. Um, but for now, see you next time.